now been revealed to his saints. To him, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The word of the Lord. The psalm will be read by half first. Lord, who may dwell in your tabernacle? Who may abide upon your holy hill? Whoever leads a blameless life and does what is right. Who speaks the truth from his heart. There is no guile upon his tongue. He does no evil to his friend. It's not he intent upon his neighbor. In his sight, the wicked is rejected. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He has sworn to do no wrong and does not. He does not give his money in hope of gain, nor does he take pride Whoever does these things shall never be overthrown. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to Christ. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Good old Martha, right? Good old Martha. She just wants to be hospitable. I mean, you know, if, if she maybe wants to impress this important guest that she has, you know, she got a little pat on the back from him, wouldn't kill anybody, but... Uh, but she just wants to be hospitable. You know, so she is working, and she's probably sweating. She's cooking. And Mary, can you grab me the wooden spoon over there? Mary? Mary, where is Mary? And she goes into the other room. She's got the bowl on her hip. She's working her, you know, she's working the spoon. 
you got, you know, and there's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's just sitting on the floor. She's soaking in every word. She's basking in his presence. And, you know, if Martha were to take the time to think about it, I think even she would admit that there's nothing lazy about Mary sitting there. It's, it's all reverence. It's humility. It's, it's learning. But Martha doesn't take the time to think about it. And as it is, she's appalled. You know, grab your spoon, Mary. Jesus, we tell her to get in here. Martha, you know, she seems like she's the kind who just likes to get things done. You know, she just, she's got a, a to-do list for all her to-do lists. She's got, the, she likes the boxes to be checked. She likes things in order. She is, in her own mind, she is what she does. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're more like Martha or more like Mary by temperament. Most of us, at least in my experience, are like Martha. Closer. Some, we may not be organized. That's not the point. We like to get things done. We are what we do. And we kind of live in this Martha world, as one author has pointed out. But today, this morning, I just want to take this opportunity to sit with Mary and sort of gaze up at Jesus, to take a posture in our own hearts and minds of reverence and humility and learning. Because Jesus sort of seems to prefer that, doesn't he, to Martha's hustle. So I just want to consider exactly who it was that had, had Mary so enraptured. She, she must have had some idea that this, this, some inkling that this man was actually more than a man. And so we want to sit with Mary and we want to turn our attention as we gaze upon Jesus, we want to turn our attention uh, to Paul's letter to the Colossians and this incredible, beautiful description of who Jesus is. Now, Paul is writing to these Colossian Christians because it seems that some teachers have come in um, behind him or after, uh, well, I guess he wasn't there, but they've come in after his, his um, agents have, have been there and they've they're teaching that if you're going to be a real Christian, then you need to be like Martha. Now, they probably, I'm sure they didn't say it like that. They probably didn't re reference Mary and Martha. But, but you know, for them, just believing wasn't enough. Uh, you had to do your part. You had to uphold your end of the bargain. You had to get busy for Jesus. And you had to grab your spoon, maybe, and get to work. Well, if you're with us last week, what we said was that doing things for Jesus is good. I don't want you to ever hear me saying uh, anything other than that. It's important. In fact, we've got a sermon coming up in a few weeks, uh, which will talk about how important it is that we all have a ministry, that we, uh, we are the hands and feet of Christ. But I want to be, always be very clear, that's not what makes you a Christian. Like, what makes you a Christian is trusting Christ. And the good works that we do, as important as they are, are the fruit, or maybe think of like the outworking of that grace in his life, that trust that we have in him. But you can understand how this emphasis, this priority that we might give to getting busy for Jesus, is just as alluring to us as it was back then to the Colossians, right? And it's the, I think it's because the focus shifts easily but subtly 
from Jesus and his work to us and our work, and we love to think about ourselves, don't we? It's kind of our default. And so, and it's also what we can control, because we can kind of control what we do. And what's fascinating to me about this passage is that St. Paul, in the face of this wrong teaching, he doesn't, or at least wrong emphasis, he doesn't call them out, he doesn't critique their theology, he doesn't shame them for their wandering, he just simply shows them, again, that Jesus is better, more beautiful, more majestic than anything else. Essentially, St. Paul sees what Mary sees sitting there on the floor. And so we want to sit with Mary this morning, or sit like Mary this morning. And we want this is what we're going to look at as we look at Paul's letter to the Colossians. That Jesus is the creator of all things. That he is the Lord of all things. That he is the reconciler of all things. And he is the glory of all Christians. So he's the creator of all things. The Lord of all things. The reconciler of all things. And he is the glory of of all Christians. So first, he is the creator of all things. Now, all things, Paul says, all things were made by him and for him. Now, if you think about the best, most amazing person that you have ever met, and you want to pay them the highest compliment, it wouldn't come close to this. You could never say this about any regular person because St. Paul's not giving Jesus some lofty compliment, is he? He is actually, in saying that he is the agent of all creation, that all things were made by him and all things were made for him, he is declaring that Jesus is God. And Jesus was a man, too, fully God, fully man. But and, you know, at this point, at Paul's writing, Jesus had just died about 30 years before. It's amazing, actually, that people were saying these things about Jesus. It was already that clear for them. But what Paul is saying is that Jesus' birth was not the beginning of his story. Jesus' birth was not the beginning of his story. He didn't have a beginning to his story. Because he always was. You think, remember John 1, the, uh, that one beautiful preamble? We always read it at Christmas. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, all things were made... Through him, Jesus is the agent of creation, which means, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, the very first verses of Scripture, you can remember that there is a God is there and it's just God and darkness. And into the darkness, God speaks, let there be light. This was the voice of Jesus. The second person of the Trinity before his incarnation. Let there be land and ocean. Let there be vegetation and fish and animals. Let us make man in our image. It was his voice. The monkeys and the mountains and the manatees and the muscadines. And the stars and the farthest reaches of the universe and even the fibers of the clothes that you're wearing and you yourself all his creation he made it all he conceived of reality's existence in his own divine imagination and spoke it into being it was all made by him and it was all made for him there is nothing above jesus There's nothing above Jesus. There's no spiritual third way or 
fourth dimension or no secret special word of knowledge, no best practice. There's nothing higher than the creative, vibrant, brimming divinity of Jesus Christ. And what that means, therefore, is that nothing other than Jesus and His sufficient work can possibly be necessary for our salvation. We have nothing to add to complete our salvation. Jesus has done it all. There was a former Archbishop of Canterbury who said, we have nothing to contribute to our salvation except the sin from which we are saved. And what a comfort to know this God as our Savior, this Creator. Paul says He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Now that verse has has special significance for me. Um, when I, before seminary, I, I ran after school and day camps uh, for the YMCA in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, on my first day of my first summer day camp, that morning, I happened to be reading Colossians chapter 1. And I was a nervous wreck. We had 200 kids coming. We had 45 staff people. It was, a, it was kind of a big operation. I'd never run anything like that before. And I happened to open up this passage and he is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And I said, maybe these kids will be, I'll, I'll send home the same number of kids that, that show up at my day camp. Um, and I just wonder this morning what you're worried about coming unraveled in your own life. And this says that He's with you. He's the Creator. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Number two, He's the Lord of all things. He is the sovereign. He's the ruler of all things. Paul says that in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Meaning, sitting there in the chair with Mary at his feet, in this man is the complete revelation of God. One scholar said he is God's gracious self-disclosure. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Father's in me, and I'm in the Father, because all the fullness of the Father was in the Son. Now, this amazes me. I think, I, I think about this a lot at, at, at Christmas time. And think about the little baby in the manger and just the fullness of divinity being pleased to dwell in eight pounds of human flesh. But I don't think it's actually less remarkable to think of the man sitting in front of Mary, is it? That he, if you want to know what the Father is like, look at the Son. That the Father is gracious and loving and kind. And the Son is just and fearsome and powerful. They are all those things. There. So this means that Jesus, as God, is ultimately sovereign, right? He's ultimately sovereign. And that means he deserves our constant and undivided allegiance. Now, we don't always give him our constant and undivided allegiance, but he deserves it. He deserves it always. And it, he is the, it also means he's the one who takes the bad things that happen in our life. And somehow in his mystery and his majesty, he, he redeems them and makes them good. In, in an eternal sense. 
You know, Romans 8.28, all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And it also means, finally, he, he is the judge of our souls, not anyone else, not even ourselves. We are not fit to judge ourselves even as he is fit to judge because he is sovereign. Let me say that is so freeing because, because we, we are who he says we are. We are not how we always feel. Right? And that's good news because of our third point. The third, so he's the creator of all things. He's the Lord of all things. He's the reconciler of all things. Isn't it? I mean, if, if he was just the judge of our souls, that would not be great news, right? But he has come to judge so that he may reconcile us to himself. We see from the very first pages of Scripture that humanity wanders and sometimes runs from the authority of God. You don't have to look too far in your own life to know uh, how that's true, or at least in your children's lives, right? So um, we don't want God's authority over us. I mean, in our, in our faith we do, but naturally uh, we don't. We, apart from our Creator, we want to have the final say and the final authority over ourselves. In fact, most problems in the world find their root in human selfishness. Right? And whether it's a global problem or a political problem or a societal problem or an ecclesiastical problem or a familial problem or just a personal problem, almost always the root is that we cannot not serve ourselves on some level. And yet what this is saying is that Jesus has crossed that yawning gap, that, that grand canyon that results in, from our rebellion between us and God, that we can't cross it, but God himself has crossed it for us. Uh, Jesus, through uh, God, through Jesus, has reconciled to himself all things. It's kind of hard for us to get our head and our hearts around all things. But he has made peace with this broken world. By the blood of his cross. The uh, pastor and author that you've heard me quote before, Tim Keller, uh, he wrote this in his wonderful book called The Prodigal God. He said, it is hard for us to realize this today, but when Christianity first arose in the world, it was not called a religion. It was a non-religion. And you can imagine the neighbors of early Christians asking them about this new faith. Where's your temple, they would ask. And the Christians would say... We don't have a temple. Well, how can that be? Where, where do your priests labor? And the Christians would reply, we don't have priests. But, but, but how, 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 where are the sacrifices made to your gods? And the Christians would have responded that they do not make sacrifices anymore because Jesus himself was the temple to end all temples, the priest to end all priests, and the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He has reconciled us to himself. Paul is confronting this teaching that says we got to get busy for Jesus. We got to grab our spoons and get to work. And what this say what this truth means for us is that you never have to worry, have I done enough? Because it's not about what you've done. You never have to worry about how many people I've helped across the street. Have I given enough money? Have I been nice enough? Have I helped enough people? Can I ever make up for that thing that I did? Can I ever get over the thing that was done to me? You never have to worry because he has reconciled, has reconciled, past tense, done deal. He has reconciled to himself all things, which means 
he, the creator and Lord of all things, has reconciled, reconciled you to himself and consequently to each other. That takes some more working out. So finally, Paul says he is, the, and there's lots more we could pull from this. Paul says he is the glory, Jesus is the glory of all Christians. Paul says that this is actually the mystery that has been hidden through the ages, meaning this truth was everything was in, in Scripture, everything in God's interaction with humanity was moving towards the revelation of this wonderful mystery, and in Christ it is revealed, and it is that this crucified Creator, this resurrected Reconciler, this Lord of all, now lives in you. He lives in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God himself lives and dwells in you. Sometimes, friends, I don't want to live with myself. And God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, wants to come and be with me? That is a grace too sweet to express. Can you believe the grace and love and the humility that our God our Creator, our Lord, our Reconciled, that He dwells in us, and even despite ourselves, He works through us. Which means He'll never leave you or forsake you. That He will, never, that he will always walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. That, he, that His forgiveness is sure, and His mercy is everlasting. Isn't it interesting that Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus was saying to Mary? Just that Mary was gazing at Jesus. And so as we go through our weeks in this Martha world with our to-do lists and our harried schedules, and can we take time, maybe daily, like Mary, to sit and gaze at the majesty and beauty of our Savior, to remember and devote ourselves that He is with us, our Creator of all things, our Lord of all things, the Reconciler, of all things, and that he lives in us. And that is our hope of glory. Amen. Can we now stand and say together the words of the Nicene Creed? We believe in one God. The Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered a death and was buried. The third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit. 
the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Prayers of the people are found in your church bulletin or on page 358 in the Book of Common Prayer. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. That we all may be one. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. That they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. That there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. That our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble, especially those on our parish prayer list. That they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed eternal rest. Let light perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Lord, hear the prayers of your people, and what we have asked faithfully, grant that we may obtain effectually, to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will. And walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Would you please stand? The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Good morning, God's peace to all of you. So glad to see you. Welcome to Church of Our Savior on this uh, beautiful July morning, especially if you are visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a while. So glad that you are here today. We'd love for you to fill out a uh, card, a welcome card to let us know that you've been here. And uh, you can place that in the alms basin as it comes by or give it to me on the, uh, after the service. And uh, we'll be in touch with you very soon to uh, greet you more personally and to find out more about your story. We're so glad that you are here today. Just a few announcements. I want to let you know that um, during communion, uh, if you would like to be prayed for, there will be somebody back here waiting to pray for you, something in your life, something, someone uh, that is on your heart in some way. They would love to pray for you. This week, busy week at Church of Our Savior Vacation Bible School, we've got 134 children uh, who are scheduled to be on campus this week. Thanks be to God. We'll see if you're clapping next week. But the, um, so, uh, so please do, please, please, please uh, pray for uh, this week. In fact, let's, um, let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we are so delighted. What an honor and a privilege that 134 children will come. We have the opportunity as a church family to share the gospel and the love of Christ with them. We ask that you would uh, bless the team, bless the families, bless the, the, the kids who are coming. Uh, keep them safe, uh, that they may be able to and equipped to hear your word, and it, that your word may be planted deeply in their hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are a volunteer, or if you're not going to volunteer this week, but you have a little bit of time, we'd love to feed you lunch after the service, and then, um, and then we just need some help transforming this place, I believe, into like a jungle. So, um, and, yeah. And then, uh, and then next week will be our, uh, our Vacation Bible School celebration. We'll have lots of families here, lots of kids uh, in the 1030 service. They'll sing some of their songs, and we'll have a big lunch afterwards, so make plans to join us for that, whether you're involved in Vacation Bible School or not. Uh, our prime timers, which are is our self-selecting seniors group, uh, they will be um, going to the baseball game, the Jumbo Shrimp, this Friday night. Uh, tickets are free. Uh, really, anybody can go. So, um, but the, um, just call the office if you'd like more information uh, about that. And then mark your calendars, Our Savior Sunday, sort of our fall program kickoff, big lunch uh, and everything. That'll be on a little earlier this year than we have in the past, August 18th, Sunday, August 18th. The last thing I want to say is that um, there should still be some left. There, um, backpacks, you can sponsor a backpack for the children from St. Andrews in Interlock in Florida, one of the Episcopal Church in one of the very poorest communities in all of Florida. Uh, there's a, there'll be a table uh, over by the... the um, children's classrooms uh, right after church, and you can pick up uh, a backpack or a, a little slip that says you'll provide a backpack and some, some school gear for them. Uh, please, that would be wonderful. Friends, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Since it's just me, make sure you send them all on this side first. Okay. One challenge. The square one. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. 
Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling His death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and the blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in Him. Sanctify us also, that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you because he loves you. Take this in remembrance that Jesus died for you because he loves you. Feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. 
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.
Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Alleluia. 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 Actually, that would probably be cool.
least it's, it's not like me. I'm having to try to find an earring that fell in the pool. No, diamond studner, yeah. Yeah, it's taunting me now. It found the... Uh, It's an earring I gave to her back, you know, 20 something. 